0: The blast from our past network.
1: Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. Obscura
2: What's up everybody? Welcome to a back to school special of podcasting after Dark presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the TV Obscura team. Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C, joined with me, as always, is my two brothers from other mothers. Well, we're all from different mothers. But uh, (laughs) Zach, the total snack-it-shafer, and... Dangus Rex. I love it, Zach. And uh, Diallo the Armageddon Jackson. What's up, guys? Happy back to school. Zach, uh, Bodie, is he uh, in, in class this year? Uh, my nephew Greybear is for the first year.
1: Yes, he's been back for the past three weeks now as of this recording. So, back to school happened a long time ago, but typically, as you guys know, when we were kids, school started soon after Labor Day, the day after Labor Day. So that was what kind of spearheaded this whole conversation about after-school specials. I'm like, let's do a back-to-school one, you know, the dark days of after-school specials or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, he's back, and uh, fortunately, he doesn't watch any of these shows. Well, I I don't know
2: if any of these are on anymore, uh, unless maybe reruns. I don't know if Nickelodeon picked them up or or something. Um, I should probably say what we're doing. Uh, Guys and gals, we are talking about – after school specials in general um because we have uh three different ones we have two from the abc after school specials and one from the cbs school break special but in in general we are just talking about after school specials
0: in general diallo you grew up with these we all grew up with these right yeah. Um I was I feel like I was a little bit more in the heyday growing up as a kid in the 70s and um so it was a it's actually a big part of <laughs> Afternoons, uh, we we would be set. We would be set down so that we could uh, learn about life, uh, the things our parents didn't want to tell us.
2: So. In in a very dramatic way.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and and I'm glad you said that. You know, that you are very much uh, inundated with this growing up. Because of the three of us, I have never watched any of these. I never watched after school specials. I knew about them, of course. I always knew about them. But since I kind of was just a latchkey kid playing by himself at home. I just was like, well, I'm not watching this. I'm going to go play my Nintendo or something. But I wanted to contribute to the conversation. I wanted to be a part of this because, weirdly, it's still a part of my DNA. Like, I still say things like, oh, that's a that would make a great after-school special. You know, like, we all, it's a part of the, of the zeitgeist. So I picked one that always jumps in my head whenever... I I think of after school specials, and uh, I'll I'll tell you about it in a second. Zach, what were you gonna say, buddy?
1: Well, yeah, no, I did the same for for my as well. Uh, and it's interesting about after school specials because I I grew up watching these as well in the '80s, and you know, a lot of times people associate after school specials with, with like a very special episode of <laughs> right, something, yeah. you know, like different strokes yep. or facts of life or stuff like that, but. But case in point, with your uh, choice, they weren't always, and Diallo's too, I think, uh, they weren't always heavy, like, over-the-top message movies or uh, shows. They were, you know, lighthearted as well and and, and fun. Uh, And the, the cast ranging on these shows was all over the place, from people that you've never heard of and maybe would never see again to people that went on to, like achieve major stardom in, uh, you know, on the big screen in film. So, you know, these, these these shows were like a huge part of the 70s and the 80s. And I think they tapered off going into the 90s. But my God, I mean, that was always the thing of like, you know, you come home and your parents are there and, well, watch an after school special because it's, it's you know, it's good for you. It'll it'll be educational, you know. And I think in, in my, in, with my specific one, Uh, It got brought into the classroom. It was so powerful where people want the the teachers saw it or they heard about it and they wanted to talk more about it as a as a whole. So, um, yeah, I mean, these these shows run the gamut and, and it's pretty amazing that they like still have a pretty big fan base, too.
2: Yeah. Hey, Diallo, was it something that you watched by choice or was it something that like maybe your parents encouraged you to watch or was it just a part of the zeitgeist that you couldn't sort of miss it no matter what?
0: I mean, I have like sort of like two memories of it. So one, I was forced to watch one because <laughs> it was I'll never forget this. It was uh, my mom's having a baby. <laughs> and so uh I was forced to watch that one and I remember like being forced to watch it cuz I wanted to watch like cartoons or something and my mom like made me sit and watch it and so I could learn how babies were made. Um oddly enough they don't they didn't go into all of the uh mechanics of how the babies are made. It's just like the the science part after, uh, you know, save that for
1: lifetime television. Or or save that to when you're
0: 18 years old (laughs) and go to the (laughs) porn store. So, so it still wasn't instructional enough. I mean, to be honest, if they're trying to teach you about, uh, what not to do, I guess. (laughs) Um, but, uh, and then, but then I also have these memories of just sort of through word of mouth or advertising, there were certain, um, after school specials that were coming up and it was almost like um in a in a strange way it's like with like these Marvel and uh Star Wars shows that like oh obi-wan's coming uh and everybody kind of sits down to watch that one after school um and yeah that's it, it just kind of like sometimes it was just kind of random you just kind of passively see one um, but
2: but sometimes it would actually permeate into pop culture. It's probably yeah. I imagine if it, they actually got somebody who was big at the time or something um, and then or they they got big after they filmed the episode so they could bring that person in and everything. Yeah. Uh, so you occasionally people would actually sit down and want to watch these after school specials.
0: Yeah. I mean, and like you said, I mean, it was a they ran for a long time. So they definitely were, um, you know, viewed. They had enough viewership to 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 warrant to continue going. Um, and I think also the, you know, the more so then than now, there was, um, when it came to children's programming, like education was a big, huge part of that. Yeah, um, you know, that it translates over into like the filmation. Um, in sequences, right? When you would see He-Man and stuff, it was like, I think it was like a, um, like a legal dic- dictate that they had to put that kind of stuff on the um, right. those shows. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it was like that, it, it lived in that space for, for so long where it was like, it was there to educate you about whatever. It doesn't, and like Zach was saying, it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, um, you know, a very special episode where um, some <laughs> girl like, gets pregnant and we have to you know sometimes yeah, it's a drug addict yeah but sometimes it's just like in and in like my particular show it's just about believing in yourself or something yeah. like that you or, know and that's or it. mine's
2: dealing with a, your, your kid who's become a punk now
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yours was amazing actually. i know i know <laughs> so the
2: the three different uh ones we're going to be talking about Uh, Diallo is going to be discussing The Amazing Cosmic Awareness of Duffy Moon. This was uh, 1976. This was an ABC after-school special. Zach is going to be talking about The War Between the Classes from 1985. This was a CBS school break special. And then I'm gonna be talking about the day my kid went punk, 1987, uh, and that's an A- an ABC after school special. So it's nice that we have an example of both both of them, uh, because you know they're they're kind of the same thing in the way that the Avengers and the Justice League are sort of the same thing. You know, uh, you know. DC and Marvel are always aping each other back and forth, ABC, well, you're NBC. making some heads explode out there. Like, <laughs> those Marvel
0: zombies are like, no! <laughs> you it's know, original, it's the best thing
2: ever. Qu- Quicksilver's Marvel's The Flash, you know, right. it's just all of that stuff. But uh, before we get into all three of them, uh, I did want to really quick sort of give a little bit of a backstory on the ABC After School specials, and then Zach will give a little bit of a backstory on the, the School Break specials. So... The ABC After School Special is an anthology series that aired on ABC from 1972 to 1997. I was actually shocked, more so for the latter, that it went to 97. That's, that's impressive. Episodes ran late afternoons on weekdays and dramatically presented situations, often controversial, that would be of interest to children or teenagers. Topics include illiteracy, substance abuse, teenage pregnancy, and kids turning into punks. Um, ABC (laughs) After School Special won 51 Daytime Emmys during its 25-year run. Uh, the episode that I'm going to be talking about—the day my kid went punk—was season 16, episode three. Wow. So it's on for a while. Uh, Zach, what is the backstory on the CBS school break special?
1: Yeah, before I before I talk about the school break special, I also want to point out that NBC also had a uh, after-school special called Special Treat, mm. and that Ooh. aired for. Oh, gosh, from 75 to 86. Okay. So so all three, all
2: the three, the big networks were doing this then.
1: Yeah, because, you know, obviously there was tons of programming for younger audiences, cartoons uh, in the afternoon, but there wasn't a whole lot for, you know, teenagers. So these were geared more towards teenagers, uh, specifically the ones on CBS, Uh, It was originally called uh, CBS Afternoon Playhouse. It's it was uh, it started in 1978 and ran till 1996, and then it changed over to School Break Special in '84. So same format as uh, the ABC After School Special. Same message. Uh, The episodes ran from anywhere from you know 30 to 60 minutes. I think mine is actually the shortest of all three. Yeah, it clocks in at like thirty-five, which I believe that's because it was a uh, a short film before it became a CBS After School Special. That makes like sense. It was okay. straight to video. I think it was actually well, well. Well, I'll get into that when we get to mine. Yeah.
2: Well, yours but, yours is the the shortest, but also the most powerful.
1: Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And and there's a there's a reason behind that too. So. um, yeah, these these shows ran for it's insane how long they ran. But like you said, they won they won Emmys, they were critically acclaimed. It, overall, you know, I think the the intention was positive. It's to to give kids something to uh, uplift like in Diallo's case or educate in my case, or in your case, um, be
2: able to actually communicate with the parents in my case, I think like actually, or it's show it to the parents and be like, this is how I'm feeling. You know?
1: Yeah, totally. ways for kids to find a, a common ground with their parents or expose how big of assholes their parents are.
2: God, so many assholes in all three of these shows. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you get it. They're going to be a little bit overly dramatic in order to sort of push the, the plots sure. home and everything. But, uh, guys and gals, we have a lot, not not just, like, plot points and stuff, but each of these shows also have a lot of actors and actresses to talk about on them. So, Diallo, are you ready to jump into the amazing cosmic awareness of Duffy Moon?
0: You can do it, Duffy Moon. Moon, 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 moon. moon, moon. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I'm ready. Uh, The Amazing Cosmic Awareness of Duffy Moon, uh, it premiered in the year 1976, the bicentennial year of uh, the United States of America. Um, It starred uh, Ike Eisman, who... For me, um, his most notable famous role was on, um, uh, uh, my brain's completely blanking out right now. Um, Escape from Witch Mountain. Right. Yep. Um, and Return return to Witch Mountain. Um, he also was in Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Um, he, (laughs) he did some voice work. He was in a a movie that Zach probably loves, uh, GoBots, um
1: the go bots in yeah. the battle of the rock the lords, rock
0: lords yeah. Um, yeah he was on a show called fantastic journey who i feel mm-hmm. like zach you were gonna do that at some point or you
1: I, we might have discussed it I mean, offline okay, yeah. yeah i think so
0: um he was also just uh this is i'm just talking about stuff that's noteworthy for me um nobody else will care but he was in a two-part episode um, of wonder woman Um, where it was, uh, the Phantom of the Roller Coaster. And there, there was like this, uh, deformed guy that was like hiding out in this amusement park and kind of, kind of kidnapped the character and Wonder Woman had to go to the park and kind of figure out what was going on. And, um... Yeah, episode. he's he's
1: actually done some great stuff. Yeah, like,
0: he's been in quite a few things.
2: Yeah, I mean he's been yeah. in the uh, t- Voyagers, an episode of Voyagers from uh, yeah. TV Obscura. uh yeah. T.J. Hooker, he's been an episode of that. If you listen to yeah. our Bachelor Party uh, episode, we talked a lot about T.J. Hooker, and uh, he was actually also in uh, some kind of Wonderful.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, he was in he was in Kung Fu, which is uh yeah. pretty cool
2: Dino Riders. Dino Riders, I was just going to call that one out.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good shit. Uh, it also starred uh, Lance uh, Kerwin, who he, um, for most of you, his most no, his mo, no, yeah, most noteworthy role would have been um, in Enemy Mine. He was Wooster. Love that movie, by the way.
1: I'd say Salem's Lot for me. Personally.
0: Yeah, Salem's Lot's another big one. Um, and then a big one for me is a show called Shazam.
1: which he was on
0: one of the uh, earlier episodes. He's also on um, he was also on um, episode of Wonder Woman and also the Bionic Woman. Great moments for me. Also, Jim Backus. Uh, we all know him as the millionaire from Gilligan's Island. He played...
2: Thurston Howell III.
0: Yeah, Thurston Howell III, Dr. Flamel. Um, and then um, another really noteworthy uh, actor that was in it was Jerry Van Dyke, who's the brother yeah. of Dick Van Dyke. And who I I love and adore
2: as Luther on Coach. That was yeah. a show that I oh, watched great. the hell out of. And uh, to this day... I'll take a Jerry Van Dyke over a Dick Van Dyke any day.
0: <laughs> um yeah, he was also on uh, the Dick Van Dyke show for yeah, uh, for, yeah. for a little st- a little stretch. Um but yeah, um those oh, are sort man, of Jim like, ba- Yeah, go ahead. Jim
1: Backus was also the voice of Mr. Magoo.
0: Yeah, Mr. Magoo, yeah. You can like when he's talks in here, it was actually popped into my head that he was the yeah, voice me too. of Mr. Magoo. So so distinct. Um yeah, so uh, Duffy, the uh, Duffy Moon, was basically about a boy named Duffy Moon, um, who was uh, kind of a small runt style kid, and he got picked on a lot. Um, and he comes across a book um, called Cosmic Awareness, and it's basically the idea of it is basically like the secret. Yeah, you know, yes. yeah, yep. yeah, totally. like the there's a totally. lot of concepts like and I watched this years ago, but there's like a lot of, a lot of, magical of the concepts thinking in this. Are, yeah, yeah, and and like there's even um, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich, and yep. I think that's one of the phrases that is kind of used in this concept. So basically, it's like if you think hard enough, like you can make whatever you want happen. Right, yeah. um, and this was sort of like the secret, but like in real time. So like the secret is more of like if you're, if you're positive over months or something, whatever you want to happen. But he he just makes this face and he says, "You can do it, Duffy." Like he didn't actually say it, but like it was a voiceover that said it. And um, and then whatever it is, whatever it was in that moment that he was trying to hap- make happen happened, um, but it wasn't always like as he intended. But he wasn't quite aware that he wasn't actually affecting things. He he didn't quite have cosmic awareness. Yeah, he didn't quite have it. But then in I'm some in some what? respects, it actually still happened, and that's the. Uh, yeah. That's the fun part that's, of it, and that's magic, baby. Yeah, that's that's the secret. Yeah, it's the secret, baby. <laughs> I'm just
1: curious that if you, uh, if the secret recommends that you practically, you know, almost shit your pants Bring your in order back. to achieve your dreams, lifting boulders, <laughs> yeah, S- or, or you fucking scan somebody or something. You I mean,
0: know? He turned those kids into frogs. That's the that's the part actually I remember remember <laughs> the most. That's great, <laughs> ribbit rivet rivet um (laughs) but you know the through through the misadventures of the show of the show he actually um decides he needs to track down the uh writer of the book um who is um uh, dr Flam, who is uh, jim backus and when he encounters him he actually discovers that the guy's pretty much a fraud um and then it's sort of like that um you know the end of act two where everything you thought was true is false but you still he still ends up like kind of figuring out how to use his power and uh, yeah he's uh, he's chased by a group of bullies um, <laughs> oh, bu- bully gardeners <laughs> yeah bully gardeners that was <laughs> and uh, the mysterious leader of the, uh, the bullies um, who was kind of like oh he's always being threatened that that person was going to come and uh, it's like a big reveal at the end Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, it was really fun. Uh, I actually did not, I think I like vaguely remember watching this in the eighties. Like it might've come on like PBS or something in the, we used to have like in the Bay area, we used to have, um, they called it vacation video and they would have in the summer, they would have just a lot of educational programming. And I think that might've been the first time I saw it. But I didn't quite remember. And it actually was in the early 90s. And I'll never forget this. My cousin actually probably will be listening to this episode because I texted her about this because it's like a a memory we both have. Um, So I was living with my grandmother at the time. My cousin was there and this TV show came it came on and we both were watching it and like for like. I was like my early 20s at the time, or like early, early, like 19 or something. And um, yeah, and we just like we would always say that from that day on. Uh, you can do it, Duffy Moon. <laughs> <laughs> that should be your yeah. ringtone. Piece. So, yeah, I actually remember seeing it really in the 90s and I just carried it, carried it with me all these years. And uh, like, you know, when you brought this topic up, it was like that jumped right to my right to my head. I was like, I gotta do this. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, have you ever seen this one?
1: I'm I've, I think I've seen like stills of it, but I've never watched this episode, but it brought back so many good memories of like, uh, coming of age stories from the seventies and early eighties. It's very much feels like you're, you're, uh, watching like a young, like youth uh, youth novel, you know, like a coming-of-age youth novel. Like a or YA something. novel, yeah. Yeah, YA novel, yeah. Um, I know David Irons, who's listening, will probably, uh, you know, get excited about this, that it reminded me a little bit of Kenny and Company, the uh, Don Coscarelli uh, 70s, you know, kids kids on bikes movie. Um, and just because, like, it's a slice of life. It's like an everyday kind of thing. The, the misadventures of this kid with his best buddy, uh, the, the, the casting is so good in this. It's so believable. He has a pet crow. Yes. So he's yeah. like the crow before the crow. <laughs> and I won't spoil what happens to the crow, but it's absolutely horrible. What happens to the crow? It's intense. It's, it's in, it's intense. There's a couple intense scenes. There's a very creepy, um, Kind of like almost like Halloween esque type moments yeah. towards the end of this. It's yeah. very creepy. It, it changes and I love it
2: theme and tone like like halfway through for like a yeah. second, which I found very interesting.
1: Yeah, weird but cool. Um, you know, I part of me was like, this doesn't need to be sixty minutes. This doesn't need to be this long as it is. But by the end of it, the third act, I was like, okay, no, I'm I'm totally into it. You know, uh, I I love that kid the uh, that plays Duffy. And his buddy, too. And uh, my gosh, yeah, no, I loved watching it. It brought back, like I said, great memories of of that. This is more like my brother's generation, you know, he's five years older than me. Uh, and it's like Diallo, like, I get it. This is, you know, more relatable, I think, because it came out in the 70s uh, versus the 80s, where, you know, the styles were a little bit different. And I, I didn't necessarily dress or do some of the things they did in this, but I'm like watching it going... Yeah, I feel this. I feel this is like everyday, you know, California type thing going on. I loved it. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, the way they is actually was um, interesting to me because um, the uh, Peter Finley character, his he had that football kind of jersey shirt with the '99 that was pretty popular in like the late, totally, late, the late night late. 70s early 80s yeah. um, but like yeah just the way that the way that people kids dressed in the 70s is way different even from the different from the 80s and yeah um not especially the 90s but they like it was actually like you dressed like kids and yes that's not really the case anymore but also the way that they actually interacted with each other was very 70s there was like a there was like an innocence and yeah. a lack of sass that I think really got introduced like in the nineties, like, you know, like Bart Simpson kind of brought that to the fore. Um, but, uh, yeah, even like the, the boots, boots McAfee, like that's (laughs) such a, the, that's just such a, like, I don't know, like a seventies kind of like, a kids antagonist name, you know? Yeah, it (laughs) is.
1: It is. I, I, again, I highly recommend seeking out Kenny and company because it, it follows along those same lines, it's kids doing their own thing. The 70s were different for kids doing their own thing versus the 80s doing their own thing. The 80s there was more of a threat of danger. This was more like you're on your own. It's all good, you know. Yeah. Ride your bikes. You're
2: not really going to like get that hurt in any kind of scuffle or something, you know.
1: Yeah, like the bullies end up kind of becoming your buddies at the end, which is spoiler is what happens in this case.
2: <laughs> well, Freaking! You you talked about his pet crow, which I think his name is Joe. So yeah, this kid has like the smartest freaking crow. It's awesome.
1: It's but, awesome.
2: But then he has the best friend you could ever ask for <laughs> in Peter, and this the best the best. So so um you know Kenny, um or Duffy. I'm sorry, Duffy Moon. He, like, like he's a shrimpy kid. He's always getting picked on. And then his buddy Peter's always sort of protecting him. So you already got this, like, you know, camaraderie going on. But Duffy is so good with, like, plants and stuff. And he loves plants and everything. Begonias. And, and especially begonias. And Peter is always encouraging him to, like, follow his dreams and, like, his- it just do your thing, man. He's, <laughs> he's the most – it literally – the most supportive character I've ever seen in a, in any kind of fiction whatsoever. And it was really, really nice to see Peter be that supportive of his friend when Duffy was kind of insufferable at, at some points in this show. Yes. Which which is the the point because you want to see him get his big head and everything and have that, you know, kind of get deflated and everything for him to learn his his lessons. And his lesson is, you know, believe in yourself, be true to yourself, and also not care so much of what other people think. Now, granted, you can say you don't care what someone thinks as their as their raining blows down upon you. So, you know, I mean, there is sort of some you know, some positive thinking going on here that might not be too realistic, but at least it gives you know kids some some you know tools to work with here. You know, as as a part, you know, as, how to like sort of feel better about themselves. And uh, Zach, to your point, you know, yeah, I was like, okay, it's gonna be sixty minutes of this fucking Duffy Moon motherfucker, <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, it was entertaining from beginning yeah. to end. It was it was campy, but at the same time, it was sweet and. You just you really don't get that kind of sincerity or innocence or sweetness in kids programmings anymore. To be honest with you,
1: you don't. You don't. And this this, this film this this film this show um, triggered actually all three of these kind of triggered memories in me. Like Diallo said, this triggered a memory in him. This triggered memories in me of of me not necessarily being kind to people in elementary school for whatever reason you know and and there was a kid in our school i think in third grade and everybody called him no neck because he had like this kind of shortened neck and they were like hey no neck you know where the uh, where are you going or something and and i remember feeling really bad for him i think i might have called him that once and then felt terrible afterwards and actually he and i became friends for a year i oh, became friends um, with no neck yeah, I became friends with No-Neck. The <laughs> yeah, amazing and just,
0: cosmic <laughs> awareness of No-Neck. <laughs> yeah, of pretty Zach much.
1: <laughs> like, we didn't hang out, but we were definitely friendly <laughs> together. We walked the track or we walked the field, you know. And it, but it reminded me of like how cool kids are when adults are not looking. You know, or when they and are so, looking
2: and trying to take the picture and don't care that the kid in the front is <laughs> getting yelled at. Well, getting down.
1: And I will say that tracks as far as the, uh, the the the, you know, the photographer that comes in and take the photo. He doesn't give a fuck like they don't. They really don't. You know, I remember the the photographer would say two things, you know, say money, say happy. And like that was the way he got the kids to smile or whatever. I love how money is one of those things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <was hilarious>. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah. And then he was done. He'd split. And I remember I'm looking at the in this in the beginning when when, you know, Duffy's getting his ass handed to him. And I'm like, yeah, that tracks too. just kids standing around, not doing shit, not not being an ally, just being a typical bystander. Like, I don't want to get involved, you know, and uh, that tracks for that era, too. Yeah. And I think uh, hopefully it seems like it's changing a little bit.
2: Well, that's what makes characters like Rudy in Monster Squad. So awesome because they yes. would, we would see them stand up, you know, for, for the, you know, the kids and everything uh, that are getting picked on. Um, Diallo, do you think that this holds up well in 2022? I know that that's a weird question because clearly it's very, very dated. But, you know, it, is, is the message it's saying, did you feel like it held up under modern scrutiny?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually did. I mean, it, this actually is from a book. Uh, so i think based on that is why i feel like the story holds up as well as it does and i'm not in that you know the execution of the story with its 70s trappings and acting style and stuff maybe not so much but the core of it is still there right that idea um you know you could actually do a movie of it now if you wanted to um it would be executed differently obviously so yeah i definitely i i i was actually impressed with how much it looked like it was shot in the 80s rather than the 70s just from like a technical standpoint agreed i didn't
2: feel like a 70s show to me
0: yeah it is like it wasn't like super grainy and like it was like it seemed well lit and, you yeah. know, blocked, well blocked out. And um, the sets, <laughs> the sets just looked, they looked good. And I felt like they spent some money on it as opposed to um, something I, I you would have, you would expect from 70s. Because I like uh, like I love Shazam, um which came out like a year before. And those episodes all felt like it was just kind of done in the parking lot somewhere, you know, um, versus this where it did look like it was yeah. an actual production. So Yeah. yeah.
2: No, you're right cuz we we covered Shazam and that felt much more 70s than mm-hmm. than this did. Yeah. Um, and But I, I, I'm i not going to lie. It had some decent humor in it, too. Uh, mm-hmm. The mom of, of the two frog kids. Of the kids two frog and, kids. She she's great. She was funny. When, <laughs> when, when, when she was like, where's the other kid? And then the crow <laughs> yeah. comes flying in. She's like,
0: oh! Bobby! And, and She's was was awesome. like, no, that's my crow
2: friend. But I was like, that was funny. I was like, you know what? That actually made me chuckle. I like yeah, that.
0: That was great. <laughs> yeah.
2: Zach, uh, did Bodie watch these with you?
1: No, he did not watch these with me.
2: Okay. Um. <laughs> well, well, as as a teacher, as you know, uh, you used to teach and everything, how did you feel that this like held up, or how did it? How did you feel it imparted the values that it was trying to impart? Uh,
1: you know, I love this message. I love that uh, the the twist at the end when because at first you're like, wait, is this going to be truly about magic? Is this going to be like this kid does have this power? And I love that it was all about, no, it's, it's, it's believing in yourself and we all need to be reminded of that kids and adults on a regular basis, uh, and have a good buddy or an ally with us. The importance of friends is so key. And yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you can't show this to kids now cause they'll watch it. You show this to a teenager now and they'll be like, nah, this is so cheesy or the way it's shot or whatever. Uh, especially like, a. Eleven-year-old because I think what they're graduating sixth grade in this. Um, Yeah, you remember that when sixth grade actually elementary school went up to sixth grade. Now it's in starts in I think ends in fifth grade for most schools. Um, what well, was that? Yeah, was that a, the, like middle school versus junior high or, or? Yeah, junior high was like seventh eighth.
2: Yeah, because I went to middle school, so I went to sixth, seventh, and eighth, and then high school was nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah, I think it yeah. depends on the area of the country
0: you were okay yeah okay yeah or i was not yeah
1: for some reason i was like oh junior high is always seventh and eighth but um but yeah you know i think there's the, the the message is clear and it's positive um i think with all three of these especially uh yours at the end you know it's 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 interesting
2: yeah no, I'm with you. I'd like how it ended and everything, and I like the positive note where you know it wasn't cynical. They everyone sort of became friends at the end with the bullies, and and you know Duffy Moon kind of found his his voice and all this kind of stuff. It, all around, it was very positive, and you know the old Poor curmudgeon Joe. in me is like, that's ah, not realistic. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> it's nice to have stuff like this to show kids to you know non cynical things to actually show kids.
1: Yeah, the, no, I, 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 wanted to. I think if Bodie was a little bit older, I would have shown these to him. I think he needs to be a little bit older to get it. Okay. The
0: fa- the fantastic part of about or like the delusion of Duffy Moon, I actually think, um, is like a function of the the bullying, right? So it's like yeah. him, it's definitely his coping mechanism. So having him be so delusional actually helps. You know set up the whole idea and it's like and actually i think that's why the message can come across because even the viewer even if you're a little kid and you're a viewer you're like obviously he doesn't have cosmic powers um and he's doing this because he's so hurt and so i think that's where desperate yeah, and that's where the core of like the message I think comes through. And that's that's totally. the universal part, I think. Where he's like you know, it's a it's a function of trauma for him and his um protector, his his best friend, like you said, he's the, one of the most supportive characters ever. And maybe I mean I'm about I'm about to get deep. Maybe Do it, the um you know, his his older friend is who you need to be for yourself, you know? Yeah. And um, and Duffy learns that by sort of, like, having this person shadow him and kind of serves as that, like, he serves as that buffer, like, when he's about to get beat up and stuff sometimes, like, his friends stand in there and Duffy thinks he's stopping the bully from beating him up, but really it's his friend standing behind him. If you believe in yourself more and more and more... Um, you actually can sort of, like, affect how other people interact with you. So it's not magic, but it's just how to influence people, basically.
2: But – and then I'm going to push back and say, but it is magic. But it is magic. Because a lot of part of magic is the – it's also getting other people to believe, like – not your bullshit, but to believe in what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And, and again, there's always these ideas in magic that you're not supposed to lie or anything like that, but you are supposed to maintain this this persona, like mm. your magical persona. And I think that because of that, you know, you're also going to acquire things, and, and it's it's like this, yeah, it's like a cycle and everything, but it's also because you're thinking more positively about yourself and everything. And at yeah. the end of the day... I think this actually did a great job of showing, like, magical thinking of where it works and how it doesn't work. When, when he's, when the raining blows upon him and he's like, you're, you know, I, you're, 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 fists mean nothing to me but you know he's getting hit by them he's feeling Mm -hmm. them you know even though he says he's invulnerable he is still feeling them and that's where it doesn't you know where the magical you can't magic doesn't protect you from everything like that but yeah Mm -hmm. this move this this is the secret this was the secret right away and the secret was just ritual magic without the ritual without sort of the pomp and circumstance and everything um and that was kind of how this is but yeah it all comes back to just You your thoughts create your reality. And he and, you know, Duffy Moon is stuck in this cycle of thinking that he's small and he has to be protected by by his buddy Peter until he finds this book, which is awesome that this book gave him this this ability to think outside the box. But he needed people around him like his friend to sort of be like, okay, you can still use that. You can take that technique and use it, but make it more true to reality and more true to who you are.
0: You know that and that idea, actually, what you're saying um, is when he he actually does um, affect changed the bullies, mm-hmm. but it's in the realistic way, right? Yep. So it's not in that moment where he's getting beat down, but... No,
2: it's not in the moment through, that he wants it to happen, you know? Yeah,
0: but through getting beat down, he goes to go see the guy that wrote the book, finds out he's fraud, blah, 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 all this stuff happens. And then he stays the course so much with, like, what he believes in that when he finally meets Boots McAfee, then they... Um, Boots Boots turns the bullies around, and then now they're all friends. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, whether you believe in, um, you know, uh, that stuff or not, I think it's, it's a it's a really good lesson to actually, um, like, kind of stay on that positive path. Think, think confidently. Um, I always think of life as like... A box of chocolates? Yeah, like a box of chocolates. No, like surfing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not... You're not going to catch every wave, but you always have to be ready to catch one. Um, so you have to be confident enough to be out there. And, um, and uh, you know, eventually when you catch the wave, then that's the wave you're supposed to catch, you know. Yeah. And so that's yeah. kind of how Duffy ends up <laughs> at the very end. <laughs> so You've been he, watching he, a lot of North Shore recently? <laughs> Uh, no, actually, uh it was a, a big Wednesday uh, when I <laughs> went to see Basil Pol- Polidor. So, um, yeah, but anyways, uh, I, I, that got really deep. Uh, I yeah. wasn't really kind of like seeing it through that lens, but that's the, I guess, the English major in me always like comes out to play when we were dissecting some of this stuff. So. <laughs> and
2: and that's why we love
0: having you on the show,
1: buddy. You You bring
2: a whole hell of a lot to it.
1: Uh, I was hoping Duffy would turn into a Tyler Durden scenario where that would Peter be, was all in his head. That would be great.
2: <laughs> that would actually have been really cool. <laughs> but I think so. So far, this was uh, this was a hit for all three of us. Uh, we'll, we can talk about at the end, which ones we like the best. But so far, I think we uh, we have a we have a hit on our hands with Duffy Moon. Uh, Zach, do you want to talk to us about the war between the classes? 1985 CBS School Break Special. Hey everybody, Cory here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these
1: short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide? If you were haunted for seven winters alone, podcasting after dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and
2: ebook. And now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, so War Between the Classes is based on a book by an author named Gloria D. Mikulowicz. Um She actually wrote over 60 young adult books that dealt with a plethora of very uh, relatable issues for young adults, such as racial injustice, nuclear war, steroid abuse, date violence, militia involvement. It's heavy shit. She's right?
2: militia involvement. Yeah, I'm going to read some God. of the titles
1: of some of her books. Some of her books are called um after the bomb uh earthquake time to hurt a time to heal um carrie loves superman (laughs) (laughs) uh the war between the classes obviously um anything to win i think that's a steroid abuse one uh camouflage um you know like so the love bombers did you hear what happened to andrea uh, paramedic emergency you know so she wrote like yeah like i said 60 novels uh this one in particular was made into a after school special which won the emmy that, that that year for best children's special uh so the war between the classes is a the the shorter of the three um it takes place in high school a group of seniors in a class the teacher has this um Kind of like a like a social experiment, and what he does is he assigns every kid in his class a color. There's three different colors: there's blue, green, and orange. Blue is the upper class, representing power and prestige and pride and wealth. Green is middle class, and orange, or as they refer to as the rangs, are the lower class. The kids in this uh, in in this teacher's class are you know, they basically take a, uh, a colored chip out of a bag, and then they're assigned that color like an armband that they have to wear for the duration of this program. Obviously, it doesn't go well because there is already underlying issues of racism in, in this class, uh, particularly uh, with one, one kid by the name of Justin. Uh, it's a whole douchebag. He's the stereotypical douchebag. You know, his best friend is Adam, um and adam is kind of like the well he's he's the he's the bystander who becomes the ally at the end you know he's the big tall blonde white guy who doesn't find any sort of racial uh like he has he doesn't feel like he's responsible for any of the injustices in the world because he didn't do any of those things you know it was all the people in the past that did those things this show opens up with all the kids watching um, civil right era footage and discussing it as a class and, and and there's a lot of like free form discussion amongst the kids. But once they get into this class of colors, all hell breaks loose. Um, the kids who, and it's not just like just the white kids are blue and just the, uh, you know, uh, people of color are like the other groups. it's it's all mixed up, you know, So people you wouldn't expect uh, maybe would have, Uh, like would take a power authority suddenly become once they get a little bit of that power do they do they abuse it do they take advantage of it or do they use it to better the the greater good so to speak and so this social experiment doesn't go well
2: and it also it goes outside of the classroom like they have to extend it into their like their regular lives and there's actually like people monitoring them to make sure that they're basically adhering to their class structure
1: Yes. Yes. So basically, um, you know, you can you can rat on people if they're not obeying the rules outside of school and that will gain you favor with with the uh, with the blue class. And you're able to move up in status if you are, you know, if you like kind of tell on somebody. So um, the, the, the movie, the, the episode really focuses in on this character, Adam, and this in uh, this girl Amy, Amy's a Japanese student that is um, she tutors Adam's little sister, but Adam has a thing for her and they start dating each other. Uh, you know, but as the episode moves forward, he, like she starts bringing up, you know, the uh, the the inequalities and the and the prejudice and the racism. And Adam is like very blind to all of it because he's a blonde white guy who's, you know, hunky boy on the basketball squad. And he doesn't feel like people today should be uh, complaining about that stuff. He is like the quintessential uh, bystander. But by the end of it, he makes a dramatic turn, which is great, uh, fortunately. But there's other characters. He's played by Don Michael Paul, by the way. Don Michael Paul, we know and love from the Hat Squad. Uh, And Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man. Yep. But he's but he actually was in a ton of great 80s movies. If you've never seen Aloha Summer with Chris Makepeace and Yuji Akimoto, uh, go seek that out. I think it's on YouTube.
2: Chris Makepeace from Vamp, right?
1: From Vamp and My Bodyguard and Meatballs. I love that guy. Um, the Amy is played by Jan Gan Boyd. Uh, she actually was in quite a few '80s movies, like *A Chorus Line* and *Steel Justice* with our boy John Crease, mm-hmm. um, Sensei Crease himself, Martin Cove. Uh, she was also in the um, a movie called *Assassination*, which is a really pretty decent uh, Charlie Bronson movie. A lot of action movies, and you know, a mixture of. 80s great 80s cheese uh, Paul Winfield is in it he's the principal of the school Yep. he uh, you know another Star Trek 2 uh, <laughs> yeah. reference yeah. of the night yeah. there's our connection yeah. but Paul Winfield is a legendary actor he's got a very small role um, the, the teacher is played by Cale Brown he was on tons of like soap operas back in the day he plays Mr. Moyner and um, James Wilder plays Justin. He's like the, the quintessential racist asshole that you're supposed to hate. Um, James Wilder's been in a ton of things. One fun movie he was in the 80s was called Zombie High with Virginia Madsen. Yeah. That's actually got a great cast as well. But Marcello, Marcellino Sanchez, who we know and love from The Bloodhound Gang, And of course, the Warriors, uh, Rembrandt and the Warriors, he plays Jesse um, and he he's one of the characters who kind of, you know, sees an opportunity to kind of move up in status and and whether or not he takes advantage of that is kind of left to your left to the people who haven't seen this yet, because I'm hoping people check this out. And and he Um, passed
2: away like shortly after this, didn't he?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, he died of AIDS. Okay. So he and the guy was so talented. I love that dude. He didn't do a whole lot. But what he did do is obviously what obviously, you know, is a legacy on screen. At least he has that. Um, There's one cast member, uh, Mary Kay. She's uh, she's played by Nadine Vanderveld. She kind of like doesn't do a whole lot in this episode. But at the end, she she's a blue who like rips her uh, badge off to kind of join the a big march at the end she's from critters yeah
2: and munchies a a movie that i was talking to david about at at some point uh, about the poster and everything for that one um but yeah yeah, and i had a huge crush on
1: her i had a huge crush on her back in the day she was she was awesome um yeah this is like a who's who of young teen people but uh you know a few things that stood out to me was obviously the story uh um this like war between the classes this has been done in schools not successfully because as it's kind of uh as it's shown in this show as it's shown in this special you know if you got to have a hell of a lot control over what goes on with the kids because it just what can get out of control really fast Mm -hmm. and it does and it ends up being really bad overall
2: it really Um, illustrates like how tribalistic humans can be very quickly too
1: yeah yeah and i think i think the show does a really good job of kind of painting all the different perspectives especially in 1985 um that were you know across the board you've got the one you know you've got someone who denies that there's any sort of racism going on now there's the one guy who's like oh, you know what are you complaining about that doesn't happen to you guys anymore talking to the the Jesse you know the Justin character talking to um, talking to a couple of the the different uh, black characters in the in the in the in the show uh, you've got you know the angry this one guy who's like so fed up with everything that's happened in the past and what's happening to him now and just this like so happy to be in a place above some of these privileged white people you know and uh and then like the japanese character amy she's got a really great perspective because she's in she her father is a um gardener and she's embarrassed about like of her of who she is and there's a her monologue that she has is really uh emotional and well done.
2: Yeah. I took note and, of that one, man. I was like, wow. And they touch on the, 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 Japanese concentration camps that we had in America, which man, I didn't even hear about in high school, like at all. So the fact that they even mentioned that here and try to bring that forward was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, totally. I feel, I feel like this, I saw this when I was 11 and it, and it was very impactful to me at the time. Uh, Cause I thought Don Michael Paul was really cool. And then his character, has like interesting moments, you know, where I'm like, he's not. No, this guy, this guy is not being an ally at all, even though he, th- he thinks he is. Um, and it was shown. I remember it was shown when when I was in middle school by my middle school teacher, uh, and then it was shown again in high school. And I, I think it's an important. I think for you know, it's 35 minutes long, and it doesn't cover all the bases, but I think it does a good job of actually at least getting a discussion going with kids about what it means to be a person of color in this country. They're definitely
0: uh, not showing that in Texas today. I'm <laughs> you. I'm definitely in not. In Florida? No, it's no, not. No, You'll get What's kicked that? out of it. You'll get your teacher's license revoked <laughs> if you show this in, in either of those states. And
2: that's totally, the thing. Like, totally. I, think this should, I think this should be shown... Mandatorily uh, in every school at a certain age. If anything, I think it should be refilmed every ten years to keep it current. I think the the American government should pay for that. The school system should pay for that, not the teachers. Uh, I think it should be remade every ten years to keep it current, so kids actually pay attention to it, and uh, and they should show it every single year to kids because what it's trying to say is more important now than ever ever before you know it's illustrating the class war that you know the people at the top just really want us to be fighting this class war so that we're not paying attention to all of our rights getting stripped away from us and everything like that um but this is this is this is so important and it's heavy-handed at some points and it's it's You know, but I think that's necessary in 35 minutes. You know, it has to be heavy handed. It has to, you know, kind of be big at some times. But it's also subtle at other points because Don Michael Paul's character, you know, you're like, you know, I'm I'm watching. I'm like, okay, he's clearly the good guy. He's the ally at the beginning, even though he has a douchebag friend in Justin or whatever that guy's name is. But like, you know, he's not a complete ally because he still has that perspective of of his perspective and and his like oh but that's in the past who cares about it now because it doesn't affect him now and all i can say is i was probably that guy like at that age in high school and in college and stuff like that and moving to la really did wonders for for shifting my perspective and everything and, and whatnot but i i dude I was Don the Don Michael Paul character. You know, I thought I was the good guy. I was probably the bad guy to a lot of people. You know, I might have been an ally to somebody, but I guarantee you I was probably more of a bad person to, to people than I thought I was. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I just think it's valuable, and we need it now more than ever. The acting was fine. Everything was fine about it. It got, a, it got its point across. There's not much humor in it, you know? There's not much time for humor w- w- at, at a runtime of 35 minutes it has to get to the point and i do truly believe it does that in the 35 minutes that it has
1: yeah i agree i agree i don't feel like um you know don michael paul has a moment where he well he has two moments where one where he's talking to i, I think t- she's technically his girlfriend i guess amy at this point because they're kind of dating uh and he he says you know i never called anybody a beep, 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 you know, and you're like, as he's saying, (laughs) as you're saying it. And then, you know, they're arguing and and he kind of walks after her and he's and the gardener is watching. The gardener is his, they, uh, Amy's father gets hired to be the gardener of uh, Don Michael uh, Adams family's house. And so he's working on the front yard as they're arguing and he stops to see what's going on with his daughter and Don Michael Paul yells at him and it's a very powerful scene, you know, because it's not just Don Michael, Paul, Adam's character being an asshole. There's like three layers going on there. Yeah. You know, three different things going on because it's Amy's reaction and it's the father's reaction, too. It's so intense. And, it, and you're right. This is not a humorous after school. This is this is a very special episode. Yeah. Type, <laughs> after school, you know, uh, but I feel like it's a great Way to open up the door to discussing with kids who don't necessarily see the importance of discussing, you know, um, or having conversations with someone different than them, period, you know, because oftentimes people like that, that. I mean, that's one of the biggest issues in our country today is not willing to understand the difference between somebody. You know, and that's all. This I think ultimately that's the message they're trying to get across. But Diallo, what are your thoughts on the war between the classes?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, when I you obviously when I texted you guys, I was like, ah, this the, I'm definitely gonna rant about this one. <laughs> um, I'm probably not gonna rant, but um, I, <laughs> you know, in that opening sequence when they're in the classroom and they're talking back and forth and they have the civil rights um, reactions, um, they. A lot of the things. This was in 1985, right? So a lot yeah, of the yeah. a lot of the things that they were saying are literally talking points that I hear today to sort of to mute the voices of people that are uh, dissatisfied with their treatment or representation or whatever it is in society. And I'm going to get a little political, but um, a lot of them sounded like Tucker Carlson, actually. Like he yeah. has yeah. that. They literally, you know. Um, Especially with the, like, uh, there's a conversation happening now because the Queen of England passed, and there's a lot of people that just, like, kind of like, I don't really care because she's a part of this empire that colonized and and stripped everything away. And people yep. like Tucker Carlson are, like, choosing to not have empathy for those people's experiences and instead doubling down on this idea, well, we brought you fire, man we you know we, wow. we brought you technology why are you ungrateful and and that's the sort of same um you know more pointed in the classroom they were saying the same thing um inferring about like blacks and not like bringing up um their treatment in the history of the united states um, and always going back to they 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 are upset when people bring up slavery But they don't understand that yes slavery is over but there's a level of treatment that um people of color still um um have that you know it's not maybe not as bad as slavery but it's still worse than what those other people experience and they just do not want to see it and that their conversation is always just get over it um yeah and that it's 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 frustrating, you know. I, I hate to use the word gaslighting because it gets used so much, but that's kind of what it feels like, you know. It's like you're I'm literally going through some something that feels terrible, and you don't go through that experience. You never have to deal with it, but you're you were telling me to get over it, get over it, and also can't we all just get along, you know? Yeah. Um, well, but it, you're it, not doing anything to make that happen, like. The, um, the, uh, Adam was his name. Yeah. Um, Adam. Yeah. He like, he doesn't really do anything to actually yeah. make people get along. He just kind of, it's lip service for him. Right. Yeah. And, um, well, he said,
1: he says that yeah. he, he has moments where he's like, I-, I didn't put that baby in the ghetto. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And those
0: are, those are all things that like, I hear, like I, I, I listen yep. to a lot of, uh, um, you know, right wing, um, commentary and uh and I I hear all those things all the time and it's it's like it it really struck me how you know I kind of like sarcastically or satirically I bring up uh the wokeness thing all the time (laughs) like you guys in in our tweets and stuff like something comes out I was like what is this woke stuff from 1985 you know because I mean it's like and that's When I hear people complain about wokeness, I kind of laugh all the time today because it's like this is these are conversations that have been happening for a long time, a long time before we were even born. And you're acting like it's new in 2020 because there were though there was the protests right, right. and the people right.
2: who were like keep telling other people to get over the wokeness and hate the wokeness are also the ones that are saying oh just get over it get over the slavery it happened 200 years ago or whatever it doesn't matter anymore fuck you
1: yeah. fuck you Why? I think there's a a big piece of that is it, it, what both of you are saying is, and I think it's super relevant is all of those people that are saying get over this, get over that. Like Don Michael Paul at one point, he's like, you know, seems to me that the Orientals have it. Okay. <laughs> right. And he's very matter of fact about it. The yeah. way he says it, it it's their, um That's their perspective, you know, right. and they're not willing to see, the other person's perspective that's being affected by it. You know, all this. I I brought this episode up on purpose because I I think it's I love it. Uh, I think it's super relevant, like you both you said, and I think it's super important for kids to see it. But um, you know, there's a there's a guy named Lee Moon Wah who's a uh, he he he's out of Oakland. He's a professor, I think, but he has a seminar called Stir Fried Seminars where he basically takes people from all different walks of life and has they're basically therapy sessions where they sit down and talk about their different experiences uh you know being latino or being white and like what it means to to them and just to listen to each other and there's not there's so much talking like you know like Diallo was saying with Tucker Carlson it's like but there's not a, there's no listening going on you know or and empathy. I do or empathy and I do appreciate when Amy has her monologue about what it means to her and how embarrassed she is to be to feel Japanese or to look the way she looks, and I do appreciate that the Adam character is listening to her, yeah, he's also attracted to her. That's why yeah, he's that's why
0: to her. he's listening. He <laughs> wants, he
1: wants, you know, you know what he wants, you know, you know what you want. I
0: actually thought um, that dynamic was a little, I, I, I appreciate it as well, but I thought it was a little, uh, it was actually kind of playing into power dynamics uh, oh big time especially at the end when she runs into his arms and it's like he's the one that brings all these people to their senses and um anyways well, I, with his, I, with no, his act
2: that, of violence
0: you know yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's okay but it, but when I'm, he does it but anyways, mm-hmm. it's
1: it's interesting that you bring that up because I, yeah i looked at it from two different perspectives one i looked at it from here's this white guy who's allowed this guy's not going to get expelled from school yeah. for throwing his backpack through a window right but two the, it, it, there are so many people and we all know them too in this country that that are like man i really feel bad for for you know people of color like a white person saying i really feel bad for the, the this person's situation but they don't do anything about it and you're not so you're not being an ally you're just sitting by and you're letting everything happen to you and i think i i like to think at the heart the intention was this is this person who does have power. This is where you can use your power for good in, right. in being an ally in helping out and being a part of the group versus the one, you know, because he joins the 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 um, the protest at the end, you know. And I think I, I would like to think that that's the intention. Mm-hmm. And if it is great, if not, you know. I'm 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 assuming it's probably is because this this this. I think that
0: this. I think that it's the intention. Yeah. Um, but like, this is coming from my perspective as a as a black person that watches a lot of uh, white media. Uh, yes. You know, it's a, it had it had that element of the white savior in it. Yeah. Which is oh, like totally and, and that's, totally that's and I, I'm actually not I'm not I actually don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that the white savior sort of narrative per se, but at the same time, especially in this show that's trying to break down racial stereotypes, I just thought it was interesting that it's still defaulted to that, and I think unknowingly defaulted yes, to that. Yeah. I don't think that they... I think that's just... Because that's kind of how you see the world, and so it's like you look there that. They symbolize authority and power, and so they just kind of... He's the one that actually brings home that final message as opposed to, because they, would they wouldn't have listened to any other um, a person of color with that same message. And the girl who kind of causes all of that, they wouldn't listen to her because, nah, number one, she's a woman, number two, because she's Japanese. And so they wouldn't have listened to her either. Yeah, um, yeah. Just really separately, though, I actually really appreciated her perspective in this story, because usually when they do racial type stories it's usually like black and white mm-hmm. um yeah. and they actually they had that discussion i think you you mentioned it zach about the um like a little bit of that uh, model was it model minority um yeah. uh, idea mm-hmm. where be, like because he's kind of like oh you're asian what's the big deal you guys do well you know yeah that kind yeah. of idea and she's yeah. just like uh she she actually gives her perspective which is like there are so many things that you don't see that i have to go through i still feel different she's like uh really raw like i'm a shit yeah. like i'm ashamed to like look, look yeah. the way i do and um you know um like Corey, like you said you like you had never heard of the internment um until you were like in high school or something yeah. and like I, just because of where I grew up, I grew, I'm from San Francisco, and I actually, I they used to have like PSAs when I was a kid, uh, uh, like about the internment and stuff. When I was a kid, because but they I were also, they were
2: on the West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I grew like, up on the they, East Coast. I think there was probably something with that as well. You well, know? no, yeah, they, like they were, I literally all over. Yeah, but I mean,
0: I literally had friends and that their parents or grandparents were interned when i was a kid you know growing up so it was just it was more of a reality in san francisco i think but like um it's it's even today even till to today it's a story that's never really spoken about like and it it boggles my mind (laughs) how um This happened and we don't really acknowledge it where the United States government took its own citizens and put them in an internment camp. The same time we were trying to liberate another group of people from an internment camp because
2: the victors, the the people in power, write the history books. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's even worse. when I and I'm open about this because I think it's appalling. When I watched the Watchmen TV show, mm-hmm. uh, it it opens with um with yeah, the June the
0: the 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 uh, the riots the, the massacre yeah. in Tulsa I yeah, think Tulsa, it was yeah the Tulsa riots yeah. So
2: you know, knowing that that the Watchmen uh, movie and everything, it's kind of an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. I had so little to no knowledge of this actual event that I thought that that first episode of the Watchmen TV show was an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that that was actually real. And this that show came out like in 2014 or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think that there's a powerful message for me personally in that we need to also – make these certain uh, these things that have happened in our history we need to keep reminding people that they happened you know what i mean like keep yeah. having them actually be out in pop culture like, again it was never even taught to me in in school about that and everything or even the internment camps so that's public school system for you you know growing up in the 80s and the 90s but it's 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 anyways come back to this to it's... come all the way back to this
0: And it's not to make you feel bad. It's to make you understand what you are... Capable of doing if you're not aware uh, of what yeah. like all that's going on. So I think that's the narrative. Sometimes they say is like, oh, I don't want this. I don't want to feel bad about my history, but it's it's but not I, that. No, it's but you like,
2: need to feel. But no, I I push back on that. Yeah. I think it's okay to feel bad. I don't. We we live in a world where oh, negative feelings and bad feelings are bad. We should never have them. No, bad feelings are there to remind you not to fucking do this again, you know, as a culture, we should feel bad about some of these things. And, you know, to this, to this episode, I do think like, like I said, at the beginning, I think it should be remade every certain amount of years to kind of update it. Because I do think that, yeah, you know, Adam, Don, Michael, Paul, yeah, though, he, you know, it, he was the white savior. This is 1985. And, and I think we can all agree it's of the time, but if you were to remake this in 2022, it would be vastly different. And I, but, but I think you can do that and still keep the, the message the same. And if anything, it'll make it even more important now, because if you just try to make it relative to the people nowadays or the, the kids nowadays to relate to. Well,
0: yeah. Well, I, I think mean, you... yeah, it's, it is a, it, it's a very relevant conversation because like, just like, Literally, people are losing their minds because there's a black um, little little mermaid. Mermaid. Go go fuck yourself. First (laughs) off, hold on. I'm going to get on my pedestal. If you have a
2: problem with a black fucking little mermaid, go. Hold on. Go fucking cut your dick off fuck your own asshole with it and go fucking die. Because if that's the, like the, the hill you're going to fucking stand on, like, are yeah. you serious? Like you're so full of fucking hate. You can't handle an African American uh, or black little
0: mermaid. Fuck yourself. I fuck saw yourself meme, and die. I saw a meme that was really funny. It was basically like uh, raci- Racism is so wild. It's got grown men. Um, like, taking a hardcore stance against, <laughs> the little against a little mermaid. <laughs>
1: it's amazing. Yeah. I, it's, you know, you, you're saying to, uh, the, this, this episode being a product of its time with, uh, Adam being the white savior, there is a moment where there's two black characters, their friends, Rodney and Thompson and Thompson becomes a blue, uh, blue class and Rodney, I think he's like, orange maybe and they're Mm -hmm. sitting together and and rodney like you can tell he's just not into this at all and he's because the the orange the people who are orange are like being forced to open up people's milks carry their trays it's like a servant Uh,
2: class almost
1: yeah if they get punished then they have to pay a fine if they can't pay the fine then they have to go to uh detention which you know actually if you think about it for a social experiment that's not supposed to be it's uh, that, actually pretty fucked up that they're sending these kids to detention and and this class is the only class that's doing it so the other teachers don't know about it. so when the when a couple of the kids go to basketball uh, uh, practice late they get kicked off the team because the, the coach doesn't want to hear it. Type stuff, and so there are some interesting dynamics there that I think could have been explored with a with a longer episode. But you know, you both were talking about the internment camps not being discussed at all, and you know, um, you know George Takei or yeah. Takei is like the only voice right now, right now, anyways that I know of that that kind of talks about his time at the camps. I mean, they made a movie with like Dennis Quaid, I think, where he uh, he was married to a Japanese woman who was interned, I think. Uh, I could be wrong, but it's like, again, there's your white savior kind of, the focus is on Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Um, there's a Japanese museum here in Los Angeles that, that does a really great uh, kind of, ex- like they explore the every aspect of the internment camps. And I took Bodhi to it. Uh, and this just this connects with our discussion because I took Bodhi to it, who's at the time was seven. And there is a um, interactive exhibit where you hold up an iPad and you see yourself in the iPad, you're suddenly in Mm. the camp with, uh, with the uh, interred. And, uh, and then there's a beautiful um, art area where the museum is, that is no used to be a street. Well, that street, when it was a street was where they used to pick up uh, Japanese Americans and pick them up and take them to the camp. So uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of heavy history there. But, you know, facing these things and having discussions about it is the whole point of that's the only way you move forward and learn and hopefully not repeat it. But yet we do repeat it. We've been repeating it for, for you know, from 68. Well, it, it's never changed. It's just the labels have changed. And, and unfortunately, until people of, in power... Are able to have these discussions, nothing's truly going to change because the three of us can sit around and have a very, what do you, whether you want to call it woke or not, discussion. Um, you know, but but people who are political, like the political allies that we need, have to have the same awareness and uh, and ability to, to to talk about these issues. So. I think it, it starts with kids showing this to kids and and getting them on board because I think you show this to you can easily show this now yeah. to teenagers and they will not have an issue with it. I think they'll be even more angry uh, at certain things, especially the Justin character. You know because he openly mocks Amy at one point. Yeah. Uh, he calls the he says something to the to the Rodney and Thompson the two, the two black characters about like you know, going back in the fields or some shit like that. Like horrible. This kid is like a horrible piece of crap who doesn't get his comeuppance like he should. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that, that is one of the few things in this that doesn't uh, hit home as well as it should.
0: Yeah, that was the most realistic part. Uh. Well, yeah. If you, you know what?
1: You're, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, wrong. Touche
2: dude. Touche. You're not wrong. So
1: I, I'm glad I brought it though to the table because, um, the, that's what these after school specials in my opinion were, were supposed to be about something that entertained but also elevated your sense of consciousness where you're like oh I never thought about that yeah. you know because I, I, when I was 11 I didn't think about this shit um, but it's nice know, we to know a,
2: th- that it's out there like it's good to yep. know for kids to be aware of that it's out there you know
1: yeah yeah and, and it's I think it's fast to, I like the pacing I like that it's actually really short because I were Kids' attention spans nowadays are very short, um, and it should be required. I think the book maybe should could be updated and would be required reading um, because. It's it's relevant so I'm glad I brought it to you guys. I'm glad we have had this discussion. I think we could continue it for another hour yeah. but uh, obviously we got to move on to some more pressing issues <laughs> I,
0: I hate <laughs> this podcast it's way too woke for me. I just, <laughs> it's uh, you guys are right <laughs> <laughs> no and I appreciate your, Corey what your you liberal said. agenda is way too much
1: yeah I mean guys look we're never we never really get political uh and although people listen
0: do know where we lean though they know know.
2: yeah
1: they know and and honestly if anyone's listening to this who doesn't agree with this stuff then i'm i'm i don't know about you Corey, but i have no problem with losing a listener like that because (laughs) you you know clearly you don't want people and if you don't agree with this stuff then dig a little bit deeper into why you don't agree with it why don't you agree with
0: it yeah i'm always Mm -hmm. down to have conversations um but uh, it reminds me a lot of that. I don't know if you've ever seen that older woman, there, uh, Jane Elliott is her name. She like does this, like, these experiments with getting kids in classrooms and sort of setting up these same dynamics. And I, it, it, so if you ever get a chance to watch any of her videos, it sort of brings those points um, home. And I think this this show actually also um, revealed a truth that I believe, which is it's more about tribes and class. than it necessarily is about race um Hmm. it's about race because that's how we choose to divide ourselves but if you take the thing that we can
2: we can immediately see yeah you can immediately see
0: yeah but if you take a country that's largely homogenous they'll find a way to separate themselves um through class sometimes it's the tone of your skin as well so and race is it, it is an issue but i think it's just there's something about human beings where we just like we have to put each other in silos and then other them and that's i think that's the the truth that i think this um show kind of try like really brings out because you have in that group of oranges or blues you had mul- they were multicultural in those and, and they inside kinda...
1: and
2: inside of it there was no racism inside of it like right. if there was a white guy and a black guy in it in a, both blues they didn't fight, like, they didn't say, he wasn't like, oh, you shouldn't be here, whatever, which I like that, I liked within the class, but then, but then at the same time, he's like, oh, how is that my problem? I wasn't born, you know, into it, you know, yada, yada,
1: yada. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, and I just want to say this, too, it was really, I agree with you, both of you guys, that, um, you know, the character of Jesse, it's a very relatable character where he can see the advancement of moving up in class if he toes the line yeah if he maybe just calls people out if they're doing something not they're not supposed to do because they do give you the the, the kids who are in the blue class get to get out of a quiz at one point yeah. um they get out of like situations where they would bet would have been punished but they get off scot-free and so it's which is very relatable it's like people see that power and they're like i want that you yeah, know that, i want to
0: feel that like candace it, it, owens
1: yeah right you know like it makes sense Hmm. and i don't i don't begrudge the kid for wanting to do that uh he he's you know he like they really i think they do a really balanced as balanced of a job as they could in 35 minutes for an after-school special overall uh don michael paul whether he is a is a nice guy in real life or maybe he's got a big head in real life who knows (laughs) but you know and and it's it's his character is like he's that like he's the stereo he's the stereotype you know he's the stereotype in this um but fortunately there's enough other things that go on where you go okay yeah but you know the monologues are great uh, the dynamics are interesting and
0: you know these these uh so far these first two like they're like after school specials and like i think the after school special has a dismiss we have a dismissive attitude towards the name but like we're actually kind of really diving deep into <laughs> yeah. the messages uh, we're doing that, what they want us to do which is yeah, talk about the talk message about, yeah i just i just noticed that now it's really kind of funny and interesting like yeah. we're like it's like yeah they actually are putting these ideas that that really need to be looked at and discussed and um and we're doing that now maybe 30 years later but hey
2: yeah. And so far, and, and, both of them, the messages hold up and, and I'd say even into the third one, too. But uh, before we jump in there, Zach, I, I know you had something else to say.
1: Yeah. No, Diallo. Say again. What was the name of the uh, the woman you had brought up?
0: Uh, Jane Elliott. Yeah. Jane Elliott. Yeah, and there's then a check lot out, of videos um, on um, like YouTube you might be able to find where she does these experiments with classes and stuff.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. And then if you check, if you want, if you're interested, check out uh stir stir fried seminars. That's another one too, where, you know, people from different walks of life can sit down and, and find the connections that we all have. We just need to, uh, have some, uh, you know, intense discussions to get to a common ground sometimes. Yeah.
2: So, or, yeah. you know, you could just ask somebody something and then listen to their response and try to have empathy
1: as a person. Yep. Empathy. Or cut your dick off, <laughs> or cut your dick off and put it up your butt. There you it's, go. It's
0: really about empathy. I think that's where <laughs> it starts and ends, I think. Yep, yep.
1: As they say on Adventure Time, empathy, empathy, put yourself inside of me. <laughs> Yikes.
2: Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages.
0: On the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training Bredene Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there, I'm Adiello Jackson, writer of the First Noels Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vella, if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The Winter Tell is almost here. And now,
2: back to the show. Now, maybe we should have had Zach's go last. Because it got pretty, <laughs> got pretty deep and everything, I which a, I love. I sorry. think it's great. But,
0: uh, I need a palate a, cleanser after that one, though.
2: <laughs> mine's a little bit lighthearted, but at the same time, it still has something to say. Uh, the Day My Kid Went Punk, 1987. Now, At the beginning of our recording, I said I didn't watch uh, after-school specials or anything as a kid. The reason I chose this one is because that black and white ad that we've all seen from this episode, like the newspaper ad uh, promoting this episode where the kids at the table with the dad from, you know, the captain from the love boat and uh, you know they're sitting at the table and he's got, uh, he looks like a punk and everything. It's like, that's always sticks in my head. And anytime I think about after school special, I think of this episode, even though I've never seen it up until today.
1: <laughs> so you never have seen this episode up until today and it but but this stood out to you enough that this is like the one you wanted to choose yeah, to do. yeah that's wild yeah
0: okay. yeah it, it is it is
2: uh so i'll get into more in depth but uh the imdb uh, description is a teen decides to become a punk rocker in order to stand out from the crowd it's a little bit more to it than that um but uh we have uh Terry, uh, Terry Warner is played by Jay Underwood. He was an up-and-coming 80s teen, like, heartthrob kid uh, in The Boy Who Could Fly. That was kind of his breakout role. Uh, I've seen that movie. Um, he was in Uncle Buck uh he was in um not was not quite human i remember yeah that tv show is a tv movie i think it was or TV just a movies, pilot
1: like th- three of them yeah
2: yeah yeah so yeah he he had a lot of roles when he was younger but then he kind of faded away a little bit i'm i'm sure zach probably knows a little bit more about jay underwood than than i do
1: Kind of lost his hair. So. I think that might have been what happened. <laughs> yeah, he's also in the the Invisible Kid is is pretty decent too with China Phillips. Okay, okay. Um, boy, boy who could fly? Nick Castle directed that.
2: Oh yeah, that yep, that's right. And doesn't he feel like his um, his his water guns with piss or something in it?
1: Yeah, it's Fred Savage is in it. Uh, Fred Gwynn is in it. Great movie. I, he, I might have he's, actually. Think he's seen autistic. It. He's supposed to be autistic.
2: I might have actually seen it in the theater. I think as a kid.
1: Really, I think my mom took me
2: to see it or dropped me off. You
1: know, who knows? It's a great. That's a great family film. It's a sweet film.
0: Um, Playing his parents. Wait, hold on. He was. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was in the uh, Roger Corman Fantastic Four. He played. He played Human Torch.
2: Oh, that's right. He did play. I think
0: he had a wig on for that too. Yeah, that I I do remember the hair. The hair was very. Perfect. Substantial, yeah, yeah to do yeah. perfect, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, playing his parents, uh, Tom and Dr. Luis Warner, is uh, Christine B- Belford plays his mom. She was in Battlestar Galactica, she was in Christine, the OG. She was yeah. in the OG, yeah, the original Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yep, uh, she was in The Greatest American Hero, uh, but I probably recognize her from Battlestar Galactica.
0: She played I um, her, uh, oh, go ahead go ahead. Uh, she she played um Ricky Stratton's mom um in Silver Spoons, I believe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And she, oh, yeah. And she also was uh, Steve Sanders' mom on 90210.
1: Oh yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And she played Arnie Cunningham's mom in Christine and yeah. she is the quintessential bitch mom. Like she's so good at being a bitch. So I'm sure the actor is a f- nice person in real life, but, man, I cannot stand her as a mom on screen. She <laughs> she epitomizes everything that drives me nuts about parents who don't understand their kids. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. I fucking hate her. Are we, like, in
0: a, having a... Is there, like, a Christine anniversary or something? I saw you post about
1: well, it. Well, yeah, they, the fictional anniversary it was the day that arnie found christine oh. um, and the car
2: and we'll be covering christine next on the carpenter factor on patreon next month so uh famously yep. not famously famously i guess to podcast after dark listeners i always say that the car was my christine growing up i love the mm-hmm. car more
1: mm-hmm. wait till you watch christine it might change
2: yeah, we watched Christine a few years ago, you and I. It didn't change, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but but nice but try, I'll Zach. i tell you, <laughs> that, that
1: mom, I will have a lot more to say on the Patreon about her because – Oh God!
2: I'm look. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, playing the dad of Tom Warner is Bernie Copel, who I, I, everybody recognizes from the Love Boat. Uh, I I, love I, I mistakenly said the captain. He was the doctor, I believe, on on the show. He was the doctor.
1: It's so nice to see him in a different role. I yeah. know.
2: He was also in Get Smart, a show that I loved as a kid on Nick oh, and Nate. Oh yeah, Knight. love that show. Uh, he was in Charlie's Angels as well. Um, I'm going to kind of skip around on IMDb, um, playing the brother, Craig Birko, who I always know as the bad guy in Long Kiss Goodnight.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, He he's good at playing a douche, but he's also actually in some, uh, he, what was that movie he was in, The, 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 the 13th Floor? 13th Floor, yep. Mm-hmm. He, he's He's good in that. He's good in that.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Yep. Are you gonna hit up James Noble? Are you gonna talk about? James I was gonna ben?
2: talk about James Noble. Yeah, I know him uh, from Benson. Probably yeah, he was, of governor. course. Yeah, he was the governor. Uh, that's he's always in my head from that. But he's also in uh, Airplane Two was another one, big one for him. But yeah, Benson for me. Another show that I watched uh, a lot as a kid.
1: He reminds me of Barry Bostwick a little bit. He's got a little <laughs> Barry Bostwick
2: vibes to him. That, yeah, for sure. And for great sure.
1: headshot by the way. Great headshot with the purple hue behind him <laughs> on IMDb.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so this so basically uh Jay Underwood plays Terry Warner. And by the way, I I got to call out real quick. The famous ad, it's on IMDb when you look this episode up, the famous print ad says uh, the day my kid turned punk what do you do when your bright lovable talented kid turns into a punker overnight the Nelsons are about to find out, (laughs) their names are Warner, they're not Nelson in this show, which is (laughs) fucking hilarious so, Jay Underwood plays Terry Warner, he's a A gifted violinist, um, but he's also the middle child of a very waspy Republican uh, family. The dad's an author, the mom is a doctor, and she's specifically... Like she has a seminar coming up specifically about the 80s phenomenon, the punk syndrome, how parents can avoid it. So I guess this was a big deal in the 80s of having your kids turn turning punk. And uh, thanks to Robert Ortiz, we're going to be reviewing a movie uh, about that called Suburbia. That'll be uh, our the next film that we, we review coming next week. So it's going to yep. be an interesting little tie in. But apparently, I guess punks were the bad guys of, of the 80s. Um, I was a little bit too too young to sort of be aware of that. But the whole premise of the show is that he kind of has two wants and needs. He wants to be heard by his family because he has a younger sister and an older brother. And he's kind of lost in the cacophony of the family. So he's kind of doesn't really get heard by anybody and he doesn't want to be a violinist he wants to actually like be in a rock band and so you know his parents are of course trying to push him in one way he wants to go in another and he has to have this summer job of working at this at this hotel in their nursery which i never knew that hotels had nurseries but kind mm-hmm. of makes sense not going to lie yeah
1: they do, they do.
2: <laughs> makes sense though and um
1: daycare it's basically daycare, like a
2: daycare yeah especially since the hotel is really trying to push the conference factor of it which i think nowadays we all kind of understand that every hilton every holiday inn has like a conference room and everything but i think back then it was kind of a novelty aspect of it so He decides to become a punk like he goes from, you know, blue jeans, white sneakers and a button down shirt to in a like a a bathroom, like an airplane bathroom, kind of like cuts his hair and becomes a punk. And throughout the rest of the episode, it's kind of like dealing with everyone's misconception of him. You know, people think he's going to be rough or whatever, and he's actually super sweet. He's really great with the kids. He's great at his job. So, so basically they're really playing up the fact that he's a really good person, which is the whole point of this is supposed to be the juxtaposition of the punk attire with his, you know, goodness and sweetness, and it's supposed to be illustrating, not to judge a book, by its cover. Uh, I did like uh, James Noble playing Max Smiley, the owner of the hotel. Um, weirdly, he was kind of an advocate of, uh, for for Terry in some ways, um, he yeah. kind of recognized that Terry was good with the kids and everything and and shouldn't be judged for his makeup. But at the same time was kind of like, well, but why? Why? Why create such such difficulties for yourself when you don't really need to create the difficulties for yourself? Be yourself. And then, of course, Terry pushes back. Well, I am being myself. Um, but, you know, he goes throughout the entire hour, the entire 50 minutes of, you know, kind of changing people's minds, the manager of the hotel, uh, Phyllis Brooks, played by Roxy uh, Rooker, um, you know, just changing people's minds and people's perceptions of things. And, you know, it's it's kind of cheesy here and there, but it's, it's super sweet and everything. And he doesn't quite win his parents' approval, but he sort of does. And what I kind of actually like about the end of this, it doesn't get so perfectly resolved where the parents are like, we completely, you know, accept you for who you are. It kind of comes to a compromise where, you know, the older, the older brother kind of is the one that extends the, the olive branch. And he's kind of like, look, we're, we love you no matter what, you know, we just, you know, I think it's, we don't understand what's happening. And he kind of says, look, I, have been trying to explain these things to you, but you know, no one's been listening. So they kind of come to a compromise where, You know, he's like, look, I'm not going to do violin because I can always go back to school for violin, you know, but I can't always be a rock star, basically. And and he and he has like a gig with an actual band and everything. He won the audition and he he seems like he actually has a bright future in in the punk scene. Um, And, you know, the dad and the mom both seem kind of like, okay, we're we're cool with it as cool as we're going to be. And then, you know, kind of Terry sort of has his compromises. He doesn't change his attire or cuts his hair, but. He's like, I'll take the makeup off. So they kind of come to a a middle ground. I don't know I, I've been thinking about it, like, is that the message You know, what is the message? Is the message full acceptance? Because the parents don't have full acceptance of him. You know, is the me- the message compromise, you know? And there's even a scene where he's talking to his like his his instructor. And I, I actually like this too, because his instructor wasn't quite an advocate. I thought he was actually pretty realistically like written and he was like look you know you i got no problem you know basically the kid terry tries out for the school orchestra in his attire and he has the ability to make it but the 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 teacher's like you're not going to make it looking like that because we're supposed to be a team here you're not supposed to be a distraction from other people and he's like you have the talent to do that and i also believe you have the talent to be a, a rock star if you want that if you and he's like and i think you could go either way you just can't have your cake and eat it too and i i really kind of like that i like that there it wasn't black and white right there and he was like look man basically the teacher was like i support you both ways and i think you're going to do a great job and you have the talent of doing both but you can't do both and it's just not the society that we live in and i i kind of really enjoyed that and yeah I, i've been thinking about it like do I like or dislike the fact that it's not black and white and everything? And I think, yeah, I like that this ends in sort of a gray area because I do think as well, kids need to learn that life is also compromised. It's not always you win or you lose. You can compromise to where you both feel like you you're heard, you know? And I think that this show did a decent job of that. Again, I think with the lens of all of these shows, It might be able to be made better now with more current, you know, uh, values and everything. But I think for the time, I think this did a good job of illustrating different points of view and uh, and how sometimes there is no solution that is correct. And then maybe all that's left is just compromise. So do uh, Zach, did you ever have any experience with this episode?
1: No, I never seen it. Uh, I was totally familiar with it, though. I was thinking about relevance nowadays uh you know where where they would compromise and they could make it um uh, you know the day my kid turned into a TikTok superstar or something <laughs> or, or wanted to be the next YouTube because i i noticed that seems to be a very relevant thing with a lot of kids these days where i'm going to be the next YouTube person or i'm going to be the next TikTok person that's fine but just making videos of yourself all day isn't gonna carve out a realistic future for you unless you have something that's truly going to set you apart from everyone else, you know, like have some sort of backup plan, like the find your other interests too. I like I'm, I'm saying this specifically because I've heard kids say that shit, like I'm going to be the next YouTube sensation where it's like, well, what is it about you that makes you so good? Like what, what, you know, well, how are you, what do you, are you like Zach King? Can you do magic or, <laughs> you know, or you just think you're funny being on camera um, so you could do that nowadays. But, I yeah, I didn't watch it then. Uh, this was definitely super lighthearted, but also very frustrating, too, at times because the parents are so, realistically, are so, like, anti anything that would embarrass them, you know. And, it, and, that, and I think my mom was never that way, but my I feel like my dad and my stepmom at the time when I was younger were definitely like that. Like, don't embarrass us. Don't do anything. Don't get an earring. Don't grow your hair out. That's what girls do, you know. When they make that comment, like, and the mom's like... Uh you know he says i the, the kid says i want to get my ears ear pierced and she's like over my dead body and i'm like okay then you're going to die <laughs> you know like fuck what's the big what's the big deal and i remember you in know? the
2: mid 90s i got my ears pierced when i was in high school and i didn't have a problem showing them to my my mom you know but it was my dad that I was a little apprehensive about and i was even more apprehensive about my buddy luke's dad uh seeing them um you know cuz i i grew up with him so he had he it, back in those days, he had just as much uh, validity to uh, chastise me or, you know, <laughs> you know, punish yeah. me if need be, you know, because that's how things were back in the day. But yeah, and and this kind of hit home a little bit too because also uh, around the. The time that uh, Demon Knight came out, I shaved my head because I was a huge fan of Billy Zane in that movie, and I loved that movie. And then everyone thought I was a skinhead, and I was like, no, I'm just a nerd. I, I'm not a skinhead, you know? So I kind of get <laughs> yeah. that feeling of, I understand where he was coming from, which is like, you also have to defend your look, too. Like, no, that my look is not who I am to my core, or it's not what you think it is, essentially, you know? Yeah,
1: and I feel like they handled it really well. They had different perspectives from other kids, towards the end of the episode, and uh, I do, I agree with you, I like the kind of compromise at the end, because he's like, whoa, you know, let's let let let's not move too fast. I forget what he says, but when they're like, get a haircut or whatever, but I was surprised that it was the brother, the older kind of douchey brother, who ends up having the nice nicest monologue or heart-to-heart discussion with him yeah. that his parents should have had with him, let's be honest.
2: But, but isn't that a they, little bit more realistic,
0: though? Yeah.
1: I guess it is because they were like such uh, sticks up their asses. I feel like the dad was a little bit more kind of supportive than the mom was. I, and, I,
2: and honestly, completely based on just that newspaper ad, I thought the dad was going to be the hardcore villain of it. And he actually wasn't. He was a bit more supportive of the mom
1: he was and and i appreciate that they had the the older brother you know kind of have his moment with him and also the sister too acknowledging that you know they haven't been they really covered all the bases uh one thing i wanted to point out was the 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 version you sent diallo and i um the the last two minutes of were some or yeah. last 30 seconds were some weird music video yeah so i i was able to find the 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 other there's like three or four versions online uh, but the one that you did send i appreciated it because it is a it's from nickelodeon yeah and there's commercials throughout and i gotta tell you out of all of these things i want a string racer so bad
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mean a because, ripoff
1: sky
2: commander <laughs> yeah
1: it's I remember that toy. It was like nine ninety five dollars yeah. shipping, shipping and handling. Uh, you know, you put your little action figures in the bubble of the, the thing and you can, you can string it across the room and it was so cool. And it was so nice to see these vintage, uh, you know, late eighties, early nineties commercials. It was great. Yeah, it, was, it was fun. <laughs>
0: Diallo. Um, well, yeah, I have, I have so much to say actually. <laughs> um. First of all, um, I, I, you guys know, I watch a lot of, tiktok actually and I, I actually don't think you need to be particularly talented to get a following <laughs> on it true um you know i just i just the most random things for whatever reason people like follow like chupapi munyango i don't know if you ever heard that but it's just like nope. this guy walks around he's like chupapi munyango and he's walks around to people and you just sit there and i can watch that for hours so you don't have to be <laughs> talented <laughs> okay I, I stand
1: corrected but
0: I but uh, kind of following on your point, I do think that like there's a few things. So um, the uh, them using you know, Corey, you mentioned the like the bad guys, the villains were like the punk rockers, and that was sort of like seen as as the antagonists of society. And I think especially in the you know the late '70s, early '90s, punk rock was was that it was sort of like the counter. It was the counterculture of the time, um, based on, um, whatever the perceived, uh, weight, the perceived agreement the society has, the youth always comes in and tries to counter that in some way. And uh, often it comes through music because music, music is often revolutionary. Yeah. So, um, the (laughs) having it be punk rock in this context was like, it was almost like, because it's, being filmed in a production was like a little too late. Um, but um, still, yeah, So th- even, a, a, what do you call it? Um, The Dark Knight Returns, the elements that he used for the Joker's followers, they all had that punk rock aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, that's just kind of like what it was. Like that was the last thing you wanted to be. But it's just, it's a function of youth, right? So like when you're, when youth are coming up, they're trying to find their own way. So it's like a two... It's like a dual um, metaphor, I guess, because like when you're in high school, junior high, high school, especially you're trying to find your identity. Um, And usually um, it gets played out in the way. Well, it doesn't get played out in in as distinct a way as it happens in in this show. But it's like, yeah, you kind of find your lane and what you kind of. Think you can fit into um, another example was uh, m- one of my favorite shows of all time, Degrassi Junior High. Um, in the very first episode, a character named Steph, um, she's like, you know, all she's like the pretty girl, and she goes to school and in the bathroom, she changes into like really risque outfit. So that's what she decided she wanted to be when she wasn't at home. So she had this like this new personality. I was the first thing I thought of when I saw him changing into his uh, punk rock um, outfit. And like to like children of today, I think that they do it by challenging the idea of gender. I think that's where it really, their Mm. idea of um, challenging. Yeah. It's like they, they're, they're sort of like looking at what, a society has established as the rules and they're like, well, these rules don't necessarily apply to me. And it's just, and it just keeps marching down the line and their kids are going to find something and their kids are going to find something. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's again, it's just like it's this universal thing that always is going to keep happening and cycling. And that's why I I think it it feels relevant. And then basically it's just like appreciate me for who I am. And I think that's what the, um, I, I really valued the, um, the music teacher's message because he was just like, like, be who you are, but understand that there's you, con there could be consequences yeah, to it. Yeah. You can't necessarily get to do everything that you want to do because not everybody's going to agree with that. Like, but you should still do what you feel is true to you. Um, so, like, if you want to be an attorney, you can't just expect to walk in um, dressed with holes in your jeans and no yeah. shoes and and stuff like that. And you and could looking be the, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, right. And then be expected could to be, be
1: taken
2: seriously. It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, you could be the best attorney ever, but like, if you walk in looking a certain way, you just have to understand that that dynamic will be there. And you could be a person that tries to challenge that um so that it doesn't matter if you wear whatever you want to wear it, but that's sort of like the message and lesson that this kid has to go through in this and, uh and story. the teacher
2: was the best part like i i was not expecting i thought that w- that was going to come from the parents you know like the the big life lesson but yeah from the it came from the teacher and i was like oh wow oh oh wow you guys are yeah, you got something to say here, so Zach, what were you gonna say, buddy? I,
1: I think too another dynamic. I totally agree with you, Diallo, about the, the about gender and and how uh, ex, um, trying things on that feel right at the time. I think also you could make a case for tattoos nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my brother specifically has a very uh, he's a very he's very opinionated about people who he feels like judge him because of his tattoos, you know? And so he's constantly posting photos of like doctors who say, you know, did you take me seriously when you didn't know I had tattoos or something like that when I was saving your life with your heart or whatever. And there's this stigma against people with tattoos, you know, oh people with tattoos or, you know, people in prison or whatever. And, and I remember when I first got my tattoo and it's the idea of like, look, you just got to know That there are going to be people in this world, like the teacher said, you've got to you've got to understand that people are not necessarily going to understand you, or they're going to look at you a certain way, and you need to need to be willing to accept that, and accept that not every area of this, not every aspect, you can just walk into easily and be like, okay, yeah, you know, there's going to be that level of judgment there, and he's right. Like, I like that you're part of a team. When you're on the the orchestra, you know it's not you're not in a band, yeah. But going solo, and if there was a punk rock orchestra, then everybody like they, if they all look that way, that would be again that would be uniform as well, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: I yeah, I so. wasn't I just wasn't expecting that message to come from this. I thought it was mm. going to be a bit more cut and dry, a bit more black and white. Um, I like that though. Yeah, me too, me too. And and I think I think we can all agree that all three of these episodes uh they did their job Uh, and i think all three of them hold up particularly well uh, for various reasons and and i liked all three of them for various reasons Uh, i think zax is the most important maybe um zax is probably the heaviest uh but i think mine and diallo's Did a good job of kind of keeping some things light and breezy, but still imparting the message that that it's supposed to be imparting. I can see why these shows win Emmys and everything, because every single one of these, I think a kid should watch now in 2022. I think the better option is to remake them, because we're not talking about movies like the thing or something like that where we're like we cherish these films we're talking about you know the it's the idea behind them that is more important so if it takes remaking them with sort of more modern visuals and modern values but still maintaining the core idea that you're trying to impart i'm i'm all for it uh, because i think more more people need after school specials in their lives nowadays than ever before <laughs> ever
1: before <laughs> I think you could turn uh, uh the war between the classes into a reality show I
2: think you I really Oh, really man. think you could too that's yeah. that's a great idea i mean someone would die like that's the thing you make you turn that into a reality show someone fucking dies for sure i think
1: it'd be really interesting i mean you know I, it'd be hard not to uh, uh like it have it be as hands-off as possible literally just cameras in the room you know but uh yeah it could be interesting yeah yeah
2: yeah uh but zach overall final thoughts on on all three of them
1: yeah, I can't choose one over the other because they're all distinctly different. So, they're all they're so all, different from each other. Yeah, but I'm glad that we all brought something different to the table and uh, varying degrees of intensity, you know. Uh, I'd say yours was the lightest. Uh, and, you know, Diallo's was actually, there were some dark moments in there, some intense <laughs> moments, you know. with the The crow, I swear to God, the crow was like, I think yeah. maybe that was the hardest thing for me to take. I'm like... That poor crow didn't do shit to oh, that man, kid, and man. how dare like, ugh, damn it, don't do it. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I'm glad we watched all three, and I'm glad that we had the discussions we had. We got deep, we damn. got deep. This is a deep episode. So, uh, and there was enough laughs in there too, guys. So don't worry, um, and you know we'll be back on track. I think we're doing an animated one next. but we, Yeah, uh. yeah we're, we'll be scheduled for an animated
2: one. This one, God. yeah. This one's, pretty, this one's pretty heavy, but I mean, I think it was expected and, and you Let's know, necessary. School. I think yeah. it's necessary, too. And because we are well-rounded human beings, we're not just black and white. We're not just, you know, carbon copy cutouts or whatever. We have feelings. We have thoughts. Uh, speaking, well, of, in, speaking of thoughts, yeah, Diallo. I, Zach, I, don't, Zach, don't I'm kill sorry. my segue. <laughs> Go. Just yeah. Cut me out, cut me out. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'm going to keep it all in
2: Diallo final thoughts on, on All three of them
0: yeah I mean they're all They're all great like and they're like Zach Said in their own way like, I can't really Necessarily Pick one over the other because like they, they are all like really different um, i like the one I brought Obviously I like the most I Think it's more how do I Say it, more universal in its story But it has it has like a It does have that deep like message to it um but uh the uh, punk rock one like I, I just i actually liked the um it's sort of like the fan uh, the uh wish fulfillment of it mm. um and um yeah, and then obviously the the uh the color one was just woo. I Yeah, I I mean, it was it was very almost triggering to me when I was watching it initially. Like I said, I just I just I was hearing these people in 1985 saying the same exact thing I hear people say today and and without any awareness that this is a conversation that has been going on for quite a while, you know, Um, and just all, you know, again, all three of these just it just goes to show you that education is, should be one of the most important things that we have. We need to have discussions, conversations. We need to think critically. Um, When we don't do that, we start to fall down a rabbit hole of, um, you know, animal farm-esque Tribalism, just, yeah, just like we're just we would just follow whatever anybody tells you, and it just, um, it's disappointing and disconcerting um, to see that that's what's happening to um, the a large section of the populace. And when I look when I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's because they probably didn't really take their education very seriously and it's not necessarily about knowing how to count all the time it's knowing how to how to think and process things and um, if you can think critically you can listen to um something a politician says whatever side of the aisle they happen to fall on and know not to just take them at face value because you can Um, process that there probably there's an agenda behind it and you can then make an informed choice of whether you want to follow that or not um most people don't i don't think have that
2: and just like the mortal kombat 3 uh arcade machines uh you know banner was knowledge is power uh Mm -hmm. forever and ever that is true Uh, whether it comes from mortal kombat or not knowledge is power and uh you know People who want to like you know take away books and ban books and stuff like that. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to that this that these after school specials would also never see the light of day again either because uh, a lack of knowledge is how they stay in power. So I do hope that all right. I know our conversations tonight uh, were very heavy for our podcast,
0: but I
2: I don't know. I mean I think
0: they're necessary. And I'm gonna have to like wind down with the. Oh seriously like a shot of whiskey or something <laughs> This is like the heaviest thought, we've ever done all I thought up. the mortal
1: I thought the mortal Kombat game said uh cut your dick off and put it up <laughs> <off> your butt <laughs> shove it up
2: your own fucking ass Was that the yeah, one
1: that killed was. Luke Kang or is
0: that which <laughs> one was that I think
1: one? Luke I think Johnny Cage did Johnny that Cage. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: Come over here <laughs> get over here and <laughs> rip your dick off <laughs>
2: Oh man, good times, guys. Good times, Diallo. What uh, what you got going on out there in the podcasting world, my dude? Oh man,
0: jeez, uh, it's been a it's been a very eventful uh, past couple weeks for me. Uh, I have a lot of promising, really good, exciting things that have come up um, in terms of uh, projects that I. Um, I'm looking to put out to the world um right now the biggest news is that I actually have a um a professional company that will be editing my um uh the first newell podcast so I'm going to be reissuing the um episodes like right, put them out uh, like a
2: remastered version basically
0: Yeah yeah so I'm going to actually cool. do re I'm going to re-record them and um, um, so it can be new productions, and moving forward, they will all have that um, new production. So we're working on that right now. That's awesome, dude. Um, yeah, and um, because as you know, that was my very first uh, uh, foray into into doing that, and I learned yeah. learning as I went along. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I am a writer and a creator and I'm doing the editing. Was it my, is it my jam? But I actually have someone that is uh, highly professional, worked on film and music. And so they're going to be doing that. And I've already listened to some samples and it's, it's going to be great. So there's that. And then uh, uh, some stuff brewing again for Angela in the Dark. Um, looking to doing some stuff, bringing that back. Um, but that'll be some stuff that, you know, we'll talk about down the line. Um, so right now, first Noel, and we'll see what else hits. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very happy, dude.
2: That's really fucking cool to hear. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what you got going on, buddy? What's going on on Two Dollar Latte this month?
1: Well, uh, something that I'm about to announce for the first time. Uh, it's it, this Saturday, September 24th. Uh, we will be. Fr- celebrating our three-year anniversary on $2 Late Fee on a YouTube Live special. Uh, We're doing a fundraiser for uh, Matt Adler. You know, he's from North Shore, Whitewater Summer, Dream a Little Dream, Team Wolf. Mostly people know him from North Shore. He uh, is a part of a charity called Momentum Wheels for Humanity. They supply... um, people who require wheelchairs with motorized wheelchairs to kind of give them more freedom. And uh, it's a great charity. And so we're doing a a fundraiser slash anniversary celebration on YouTube live. It's going to be on Twitter, Facebook live at noon Pacific standard time on September 24th. We're going to have celebrity guests. We're going to do some fun segments. It's going to be a hoot. So tune into that. We are doing that. Uh, yeah, uh, you you've heard it here first, folks. That's we awesome. We haven't announced it anywhere else. Uh, you will probably, if you want any more info, go on our Instagram page. But We will at, at the time of this dropping, we probably will have a little promo as well on there. But yeah, uh, gonna you know we thought how can we celebrate our three year. By doing something, you know, our motto is the good guys always win, even in the 80s. Well, now the good guys can give back by doing a fun fundraiser. That's so, awesome. oh, and the and the fundraiser coincides with amazing Blu-rays we are going to be raffling off. So if you, you know, give money to the fundraiser, you get a raffle ticket, depending on how, you know, the tickets cost a certain amount of money. Uh, and we will be raffling off Kino uh, Blu-ray. Supplied us with a plethora of uh, great Blu-rays that are in line with, well, the pad movies and $2 late fee movies. Vinegar Syndrome gave us some movies as well. Uh, There's going to be some other prizes, too. So check it out. Lots of prizes. Lots of great Blu-rays on our program.
2: Awesome, dude. That's fantastic. Yeah. We'll help you guys promote that, too.
0: Zach, can I ask you a question? Um, since yeah. it's uh, the third year and due to inflation, are you going to possibly change your name to $3 late fee <laughs> so you could stay in Just business? win track.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just win track. It's
0: relevant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm... No. Uh, <laughs> no. No. No,
0: no.
1: But Corey, what are you doing over on your end?
2: Oh, you know, if I'm not over here on podcast after dark, editing my life away, (laughs) then I'm on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, talking about Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Adam and I are almost done with Seinfeld proper. Uh, but we are only done with season four of Curb, and Curb's been announced that it's been renewed up to season twelve. So we have a lot more curb to keep going through. But we're having a having a blast there, and of course, always having a blast here on Podcast After Dark, talking to both you guys and Zach and I have our reviews and everything, and you know, it's always a good time with our interviews and whatnot, but I hope you all are also checking out on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast after dark, The Carpenter Factor. Yes, Zach, we had a fantastic discussion on Halloween 2. That was last month. This month we are revisiting The Thing, uh, a movie that we've already obviously covered on the, the show feed proper. Um, But we are revisiting it on the Carpenter Factor, looking at the thing as a part of the whole of his, you know, filmography and everything, John Carpenter's filmography. Uh, But we do have Adam joining us from the Blasphemer Pass podcast and Throwback Trivia Takedown, also from Cartwright of Seinfeld podcast. And what he's bringing to the table is it's the first time he's ever seen John Carpenter's the thing. So, shocker. That leads itself to some interesting conversations and uh, you know, in the in the, the world that we swim in, it's uh or the or should i say the waters that we swim in it's not easy to find someone who has never seen john carpenter's the thing so i think that was a pretty unique conversation that we had with them but it's
1: honestly been the the most upbeat i've ever heard adam be on and, and like not <laughs> shitting on something for once. yeah he actually
2: very much enjoyed it so that's yeah. that's a good thing that's a good thing <laughs> so look forward to that one this month uh christine next month and of course we're going to be doing all of them up until the last movie he directed. I forgot offhand the ward. The yeah. ward. There you go. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna cover all the Ugh. way through that. Um, and it's supposed to go until the end of next year. But since we inserted Halloween two, we may have to. We may have to kind of do a double. A double recording in december to kind of keep it to 2023 but we'll we'll figure it out but we're having a blast i hope you all are enjoying it um you know if you sign up to our patreon you also get uh access to uh ad-free versions of the regular show and all our entire back catalog of interviews after dark all the ones we haven't released to the public yet and of course you you know help us so and you know a free way to help the show if you know can't afford patreon because of inflation then leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or spotify the same goes for two dollar late fee same goes for the first noel chronicles a five-star review for all of our shows helps everything everybody helps everybody immensely so please do that if you can't afford to uh give you know to the patreon but uh this- yeah
1: we're all we're all uh Orange and green here, guys. <laughs> yeah, none of us are blue. <laughs> none of us are blue over here, guys. I'm trying guys. to be blue. Forget you we're, guys. We're all trying I mean, we're to be trying, blue. We're trying to be blue. blue but <laughs> let's all help people. each other get to be blue. <laughs> let's all help
2: each other get to be blue. uh But uh this was a. This is a heavy episode, guys and gals. We appreciate you all making it through through it with us, um, but we hope we were entertaining as well. Uh, next TV Obscura will be a lot lighter. We'll do. Uh, I think actually the next one uh, Zach won't be a, a, a animated one. I think it's going to be October, oh, so we're yeah. going to have to figure out. We're going to talk offline. We all yeah. want to do where Guys and gals, we want to fucking do werewolf. That's what we want to do.
1: I mean, but I we can do Erie, Indiana.
2: But we can't fucking find werewolf anywhere. So we may do another hodgepodge, you know, or you know, collection of episodes or whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. We have to go um, to
0: France to get that. Was it France or Germany? Somebody in Germany. Germany, uh, Germany.
2: Think, fuck! Yeah. God damn it! Why doesn't it come out over here?
0: Yeah. M- music rights.
2: It's always yeah. music rights. But Ooh, next month, the- October. So it's going to be spooky season. So expect a spooky TV obscura next Spooky-o-kay.
0: month. Spooky, okay. And
2: until then, as always.
0: Catch you on the obscure side, Duffy. Moon, 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 moon. moon, moon. <laughs> nice.
1: Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer.
2: Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, Podcasting After Dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com podcastingafterdark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon, or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us, and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us.